0: It's it's one of those events that uh, those of us
1: who've been here a while think about and where were you on the day the Monument Fire broke out? My God, it was the worst I've ever seen. It it just was a force of nature. It just happened.
2: In June of 2011, the Monument Fire burned more than 30,000 acres of land in the Huachuca Mountains. The Herald Review spoke to first responders, nonprofits, homeowners, and journalists. All who shared their experiences of the blaze and reflections on the event 10 years later. These are their stories. We begin our three-part series with the beginning of the fire, when it started, how it developed, and the initial responses of our guests. According to the National Park Service's webpage, the Monument Fire started on June 12, 2011 at approximately 1.15 p.m. Fry Fire Chief Mark Savage recalls his experience of the fire 10 years ago. When he was the battalion chief of the fire district.
3: Uh, I responded as part of the initial response with Palominus and the U.S. Forest Service, um, I think just after noon. Um, we actually responded on a type 6 engine, which is a brush truck. Um, down, at least when we started responding, we couldn't see anything. Um, we went down 92 it turned east. Um, we hit Coronado Memorial Road at about that time is when we could see the smoke coming off. Um, we made access through Forest Lane um, and we're actually right on the, the border road with the fire moving north of that.
2: Noting the weather conditions of that day, Savage says that there was a heightened sense of concern.
3: we had had uh, some pretty dry weather. I think it was a red flag warning for that day, uh, which means that, hu- that the humidity is down, the temperature's up, and the wind is up. Um, so we started out, when we came on shift at 8, with a heightened sense of concern. So we, when we got to the Border Monument Road, um, we realized that we wouldn't be able to, to catch it there. Um, for a minute, we thought that it might hang up. There's kind of a rocky bluff there on the east side. Um, we thought that it might hang up in the rocks, um, but it didn't, and as soon as it made it around the, the corner, it was off to the races.
2: Service to Fire Chief Brian Jones also recalled the day the fire started 10 years ago, responding as a captain with the department.
0: It's one of those events that uh, those of us who've been here a while think about, and where were you on the day the Monument Fire broke out? And I can remember being at Fire Station 3, uh, 675 Julio Cesar in a class, and just hearing about the fire, and then myself and Captain Wright, Uh, walked outside and saw a huge plume of smoke to the south and we immediately got in one of our staff vehicles and headed out south and from that point on the next really like 10 days were pretty much a blur of uh, just chaos really.
2: On June 12th the fire burned more than 3,100 acres but it quickly claimed 600 additional acres just 24 hours later. Former Sierra Vista Fire Chief and Incident Commander Randy Redmond said that additional state resources were called once the fire reached the cross statue at Our Lady of the Sierras Church.
0: And when we got called up for the initial assignment, uh, Fry, Sierra Vista, and Palomenos responded initially because it was very dry and we knew we needed to have all resources there. And as the fire made it up the back side of the Huachucas out by Monument Road, Um, It started to get away, and we had all the resources from the county coming in to help out. We were able to save all the homes as it came around the edge of the the and made it up to, by the end of the day, about the peak where the the cross was at. At that point, we had decided that we needed additional resources because it was so dry and windy and it was difficult. Um, And so we called in for accessory state resources, but as everybody remembers, there was a lot of fires going on in the state at that time. So the teams that were available were not real proficient or schooled in our fuels. They were schooled in large timber fires. And so we got a team that came in that knew timber, but didn't know high desert.
2: Angela Darty, a Hereford resident since 1979, said that initially she wasn't too concerned, but became increasingly more fearful as the days progressed and the fire grew. I
1: I could see the the smoke and it was red and the the air was so hot from it. So by Tuesday, well Monday I started kind of packing things up and and deciding what do I want to keep if I have to leave. My husband came home from work on Tuesday and I said, well, do you think we're going to have to evacuate? And he says, well I've lived here all these years and never had to So we'll we'll probably be all right. Well, I said I'm still going to keep on packing. (laughs) So I I packed up photo albums, pictures, uh, my mother's dishes, things like that that were sentimental to me. I started packing everything up, and we started loading them into our pickup truck that had a shell on it, camper shell. Then by Tuesday evening, we were on pre-evac. So we're going like, well, now where are we going to go?
2: The Monument Fire jumped Highway 92 for the first time on June 14th, with 8,370 total acres burned at that point. Scott Vasey, who's lived in Hereford since 1987, also shares his initial reaction to the fire 10 years ago.
0: During the years we've lived here in Hereford, there's been a number of fires up on um, Carr Reef and Millish Peak, and basically they usually stay on that side of Highway 92, and uh, I, I took some photographs of, the, of it burning. It was something to really see at night. You know, you could see the hill burning and during the day, the ho- helicopters, and the, the um, planes came in and bombed the fire, and of course you saw uh,
3: the Forest Service trucks everywhere.
2: Vasey says that he ended up stringing soaker hoses across the roof of his home prior to evacuating.
3: Well, I
0: had, I purchased a number of them just for this case of situation, and I took them and I strung them on our house on the roof and then fed a water line to them. So the water after um, we could cascade down over it. And then we finally got the call to evacuate. So as soon as we heard that was gonna happen, we moved some of our vehicles up to forward, up on Fort Huachuca and we waited for the call. And of course, then we got the call. So I went ahead and, and I charged the line for our soca hoses and we had to leave.
2: City of Sierra Vista Public Information Officer Adam Curtis also shared his experience covering the fire as a reporter for the Herald-Review 10 years ago.
4: Emotionally you kind of take on the burden of some of the people you interview as well um, and it's just a very stressful time because when the fire is threatening the community at large it feels like in some of those days um, you know people who don't know if they're going back home that day. Um, and it really does take a bit of an emotional toll, but you're so focused on your work. You're working, I think I worked about 67 to 70 hours a week for those two weeks. Um, you're really focused on that and you're really in a rhythm. Um, so it's all it all becomes kind of a blur. Um... But I do remember um, having some kind of strange dreams and nightmares around that time, uh, just because of all the stories you hear from people, I interviewed so many people who were evacuated, some that were evacuated twice or three times, uh, because the Fork Fire also broke out during the Monument Fire. Um, So it was a very exciting, unpredictable, dynamic time. Uh, It felt like we were kind of in the national spotlight for a second. So as a reporter, that's incredibly exciting. Um, but it's also got the side of it's, it's exhausting and it does take, take its toll on you a little bit too.
2: Stay tuned for part two of this series where we'll cover the fire as it progressed and the complications that followed in the efforts to contain it. Thank you all for listening to this special edition of The Daily Chirp. To listen to more content, go to www.myheraldreview.com forward slash podcasts or check out The Daily Chirp on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and more. This podcast is sponsored by Lolly Automotive Group, Apex Network Physical Therapy, Sulphur Springs Valley Electric Cooperative, Benson Hospital, and Prestige Senior Living. I'm Summer Hom, and for the team here at The Herald Review, we wish you all a pleasant and informed day. See you soon!